Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you. I praise you for for life. I thank you for new life. I thank you for faith. Lord, I ask that you would give us grace and mercy. Give us, Lord, your favor. We look to you for our every need. We thank you, Father, that you are pleased to give us your kingdom. Help us not to live in fear. Help us to trust in you. And Lord, I ask for a grace of, of breaking open more fully the meaning of expiation, but you know, in its positive way, in a positive light, Lord. Help me to break it open in a way that is an invitation for all of those who are listening to go deeper into their encounter with you, especially through uh, the intimacy of dialogue, the intimacy of questions and being questioned. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last Friday, Carrie and I were talking about the way in which we're using this new year to take a deeper dive uh, regarding putting our life in order financially. And that means going through all of the credit card bills and finding out about, oh, can we save a little bit of money here? And can we save a little bit of money there? And and it's been yielding some wonderful fruit, to be honest. But if I had to like step back from that, what we're doing is we're taking a fresh look at something that is easy to overlook. We are examining at a new level something that we can just take for granted. And that also happens in communication. That can also happen in relationships. I think you know that, that when it comes to even important topics, there's a way in which we can get... I don't know if you want to call it stuck in a rut, but sometimes people will talk about playing the same old tape again. Uh, there's a way in which the conversation doesn't yield any new fruit, that the lines of conversation, the back and forth that can happen, even on important things. And, and we were using finances as an example, but it can be about attitudes, it can be about behaviors, it can be about uh, just habits, the ways that we're living our lives, that there's not not a lot of newness there. There's not a lot of newness there. Well, being at the beginning of a year becomes a, a great, and this can also be true, by the way, for our spiritual lives. That's where I'm focused today. I'm focused today on our spiritual lives and the way in which a, a discerning of a word for the year can be the beginning of a dialogue. It can be the beginning of breaking open long-standing habits that may not be may not be yielding the fruit that God intends, that the Lord intends for us something new, something fresh, something different, but it means being willing to take a, a new look, a different look, a fresh look, to break the old habits, to disrupt the old patterns, to be open to having put, to put into question and to be willing to be put into question by God himself. That the Lord is wanting us to uh, ask new questions of our own lives. To ask maybe more vigorous, rigorous questions of our own lives. And to be willing to allow him to speak into our lives in a new way. Okay, did you hear that? That the Lord wants to speak into your life in a new way. And so what I'm doing on the program today is bringing out into the open some of how the Lord is already doing that through this word expiation. Now, you've already heard me talk about it in terms of being willing to suffer and, and seeking out penances for those that are near to death but far from God. And, and that consciousness is developing in me, honestly. It's developing in me that sense of... Um, of like really helping me see my whole life in a different way. Like I, I'm now regularly just uh, naturally thinking about, oh, I'm about to pray a rosary. Well, let me pray for those that are going to die during this rosary that they'll be they'll they'll be in a salvation interruption into their lives if they're not ready to meet the Lord in a state of grace, um, or if I'm undergoing some kind of of, you know, painful thing. Well, let me, Lord, I offer this up as expiation to join in your redeeming work for their lives. Lord, I want to roll away the stone through this prayer, right? Okay, but 
there's a way in which that word, expiation, it's connected to Christ's work of redemption. Christ's work of redemption. I'm gonna, and I'm going to have that reality speak into your life today. All right? I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to be on that journey with you. But the expiation was about removing a blockage. It's about getting an obstacle out of the way. It's like a tree fell across the road, and now you're stuck. And you're not going to make any forward progress till you get that tree out of the road. Then you can move forward. Sin are obstacles. And in fact, Aquinas said that penance is like uprooting. It's uprooting sin. It's uprooting these obstacles to our growth and holiness, to our advancement on our way of faith, on our path of faith. And the uh, it's one of these, let's call it basic rules or principles for um, who it is that's most likely to be attracted to something or, or buy something. And this is just this is just from my work as a consultant. And it, it the principle is summarized as, is it easier to sell a vitamin or a pain reliever? <laughs> okay, here's the question. Is it easier to sell a vitamin or a pain reliever? Right? And a vitamin is sold to those who, what? They have a goal they're trying to reach for health, and they might be like walking that journey, but they're not getting there fast enough, easy enough, uh, easily enough, and, and they want to enhance that ability to get there. And so vitamins are going to strengthen them to run along the path that they are already on to some degree or another, right? Pain relievers are, obstac- uh, are obstacle removers. When you're in pain, you just can't do anything. You, you are stuck. You are stopped short. And so you give someone a pain reliever, it's just so that they can start functioning well again. And so you feel so deeply the need for a pain reliever, right? You just stop short in your tracks. Uh, and I, I even make it, I use kind of a cutesy example of, is it easier to sell a, a, a furnace to someone whose furnace is working, but this will be a more efficient furnace. It'll eventually save you money down the road. It'll accomplish the mission of heating your house more efficiently and less expensively if you're willing to um, uh, invest in a better furnace. Or is it easier to sell a furnace to someone whose furnace has just gone kaput? It's it's broken. It's broken down, and it's freezing cold outside. <laughs> That's the easiest sale in the world, right? And in some ways, that's like the spiritual life, where I think that we fall short, we settle for less in our spiritual lives, because we often look at it like spiritual activities and habits as vitamins, rather than as pain relievers. We we look at... Uh, oh, let me pray because then I'll be more peaceful. Let me pray because then I'll have a greater fund of love to be able to fulfill my duty today. Let me, um, let me uh, take on uh, a new discipline in the spiritual life. Uh, maybe I'm going to pray a rosary, I'll go to mass, or go to, you know, things like that uh, in order to improve my spiritual life. Versus, and, and so that, that's obviously... What? That's the spiritual life like a, like a vitamin. Versus thinking of the spiritual life and, and undertaking spiritual disciplines as pain relievers. That there is a level of suffering. There is a degree of deadness in us. There is a way in which we are blocked from fulfilling God's call to be saints living a God-given mission here and Again, attempting to rescue people who are just absolutely desperate for the truth that they were made for and the relationship that they were created for, namely a life-giving, vital, vibrant, personal, intimate, profound relationship with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ and his good news. You know, are we desperate? Are we experiencing the 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 spiritual darkness and suffering, that the bondage that so many are in, and we ourselves are in, in some ways that we just don't realize, but we're somewhat numb to 
the uh, the minimalism of uh, the minimalistic way that we actually experience the life of God. God wants you to live a full life. The Lord says, you know, I, uh, uh, I, uh, my 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 joy is is when your joy is complete. John ten ten, <laughs> whatever John ten ten was. Um, I pray that that. Uh, you may know joy and that your joy may be complete, right? And I think that we live at uh, such a, a an average life of uh, like a, a, a mod, modicum of faith that we're missing out on the depths of what the Lord has for us. You know, the depths. Let me start with my favorite verse in the New Testament, John, uh, Luke 12, 32. Do not live in fear, little flock. It has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. Do not live in fear, little flock. It has pleased the Father to give you the kingdom. And I think that we live lives settling for earthly goods, earthly joys, earthly satisfactions when God the Father has his kingdom that he is ready to pour into our lives. His kingdom will come and move into our lives. So we will know joy and peace, that we will know new life as God's children, that we will have a vision for life beyond death that also brings glory and and the majesty of God into this life, a life that's nobly lived, that's worthily lived, that's humbly lived, that is immune from the trials and tribulations destroying peace or joy because they operate at a different level. They operate at the level of our relationship with God. God has so much for you. God has a fatherly care that he wants to pour into your life. God the Father so longs to reveal and communicate his fatherly love for you, dear, sweet brothers and sisters. He wants you to know it. He wants you to encounter it. He wants to fill you to overflowing with his peace and with his joy. That's why you were made. You were made to be a receptacle, a vessel of of receiving his life within you. There is a, uh, von Balthasar uses the image of a chalice. You were created with a chalice quality, the quality of a chalice, right? A chalice is a vessel made for a holy purpose. It's not just a cup. No, it's a vessel that was distinctly made for a sacred purpose. And and the chalice itself has a preciousness to it, right? So often it's made with precious uh, metals, and it's designed to convey something of the value of what is placed into it. But there's also the quality of a chalice that is empty, that a chalice just sitting there on the table as a decoration is not fulfilling its purpose. The purpose of a chalice is that it's open to receive from above. Did you hear that? It's open. There's an empty space that is at the essence of the chalice, that cup-like quality, the receptive quality of a chalice is that it will only be fulfilled when there is something that is poured into it from above. But it's the nature of a chalice not only to receive from above, to have something poured into it from above, and and to be used in that service of what is holy, the sacred ritual of, of the holy sacrifice of the Mass, that sacred liturgy. Not only that purpose, but in the midst of that, it's connected to what? To Christ and his redemptive, saving death on the cross, and resurrection from the dead. The, the, the act of expiation, the act of clearing away the blockage, the act of opening up heaven to those for whom it has been closed. But it's the necessity of a chalice not only to be open to receive and to receive, but in receiving, not just to hold on to what it has received, but it receives in order to pour out, right? The chalice receives wine, which is turned into the precious body and blood of Jesus, only to be emptied out again. And that's our life. Your life is that of a chalice. You're precious. 
You're specially designed for a holy, sacred purpose, and that purpose is to be drawn closer to Christ and His saving death on the cross. And as you get drawn into that with that chalice-like quality, you'll sense the emptiness of your life until you receive from above. But in receiving from above, you know you are meant to be poured out. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. There's a chalice-like quality to your existence. So hold on to that. The next time you go to Mass and you see that beautiful chalice up on the altar, think, that's like me. That's like me. That's how I was designed. I was specially designed by the Lord for this moment in history, specially designed and placed where I am. And you know what? There's an emptiness in my life. There's something empty in my life because I was made for a holy purpose. I was made for a sacred purpose. And if I spend my life in this chalice-like quality, I might sense the emptiness that is within me. I might sense the discontent. I might sense a disillusionment. I might sense a, uh, a, a quality of, of meaninglessness to all the things that I attempt to put into that chalice to make that empty quality be filled. I, I don't like that, that quality of emptiness that's there. I want it to be filled. And so we try to fill it with so many projects, plans, and things that, that, that are good, maybe good, and they're partial. But the good partial things might veil us to the deeper things, to the deeper pouring in that will come from above. If we seek the pouring in that comes from relationships and things that are here on earth, we might be distracted or diverted from being poured in from above. My brothers and sisters, don't live in fear. Don't live in fear. Your emptiness is meant to point you to above. It's pleased the Father to give you, to pour into your life his kingdom, to pour into your life his kingdom. That's what Jesus said. It's pleased the Father. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to try to get his attention. He's trying to get yours. He's trying to convince you. <laughs> You're not going to get it because you deserve it. No, that's not about earning it. It's not about deserving it. It's not about figuring out the secret code or the special passage. Right? This is, there's no escape room here. <laughs> uh, we're doing, doing these escape room games in my family now. We got like five of them for Christmas. And... They're not that easy, and you can poke around at those for a while. Even the hints don't necessarily get you that far along the journey, but yeah, that can be kind of challenging. Okay, so it's not like that. There's not some kind of like secret code. No, no, It Christ has come to reveal the Father, and he wants to reveal the Father to you, and, and he'll reveal the Father to you through your baptism, through baptism, you were baptized? Do you know the privilege that is yours? You've been elevated out of the status of creature of God. You've been elevated into the status of children of God. Did you get that? You're a child of God. And as a child of God, his spirit, the spirit of Jesus lives in you. And the Holy Spirit will console you. The Holy Spirit will anoint you the Holy Spirit will comfort you. The Holy Spirit will stir in you faith, hope, and love, right? Those gifts that were infused. You didn't earn them, deserve them, figure them out. No, they came with your baptism. And those are signs of your new status, your elevated reality, your recreation as God's child, as God's son, as God's daughter. And so faith, hope, and love, I'll give you different words. You will have within you a capacity to trust and entrust yourself to the Lord. You know, that's, that's what faith is. 
You'll have the capacity to hope in the Lord. And that means confidence, that you have confidence that Jesus has made promises to you and he's going to keep his promises. He's going to keep his promises. You might not know when he's going to fulfill them, how he's going to fulfill them, and what that fulfillment will look like, but he's true to his word. And you can know that. And you will delight. You will delight in him. He, he has already equipped you. He's already poured into that chalice-like vessel that is yours, that faith, hope, and love, that you can trust and entrust yourself to the Lord. You can have confidence in the Lord. And you can delight in him. Okay, but this is where this is where it comes down to us being willing to break some of the patterns. I've used a lot of language that you might have said, I, Tom, I've heard it before. Maybe not exactly like that. Maybe I've heard it like that before, but I'm not sensing that there's something new in my life of faith. Am I doing something wrong? Uh, no, I'm not saying you're doing something wrong. I am saying, though, that this might be a moment for something new. And that something new can come in the form of a willingness to question and to be willing to be questioned. It's a, it's a time of dialogue. See, a dialogue is, it's more than just hearing from God or talking to God. It's an interaction where you approach the Lord with what's alive in your heart, with the questions that burn within you. And it's the willingness to allow the Lord to speak into your life with the questions that he has for you. Now, we don't have to wonder, like, how am I supposed to know what the Lord is asking of me? And, and how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to ask of the Lord? This is where we can look principally to the scriptures, but also to the saints. The scriptures and the saints give us, and, and specifically the gospels, right? The gospels where you have many people encountering Jesus. And in these encounters with Jesus, it's a, there's a dialogue. And in that dialogue, it also it often involves a question. It, it often involves a question. So, for instance, Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says to his apostles, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Who am I to you? It's a powerful question. Have you ever thought about that? That Jesus is coming to you with a question. Who, who am I to you? Jesus, I'm going to answer that question. What, what, what's your answer to Jesus? You see, when you come into a church, and, and you're in front of a tabernacle, it's Jesus who's there. The living, glorified Lord Jesus is there. And I want you to imagine that he's speaking that question to you. Who am I to you? Who am I to you here in the Eucharist, here as Eucharist? Or maybe in the scriptures, when you read the scriptures, when you open up the scriptures, the word of God, maybe you read that scripture from Matthew 16. And there, it's a beautiful principle in our Catholic faith that the scripture is a living word and that in the words of the scriptures, Jesus isn't only speaking to the one who is there in front of him. But as he lived his life, he had you in mind. As he preached his word, preached the gospel, he had you in mind. And as he underwent his passion and death on the cross, he had you specifically, personally, intimately, right now, right here, in mind. Who is Jesus to you? Jesus, you are my everything. You're my life. You're my Lord. What do you want me to do for you, Lord? Lord, you're my Savior. Please rescue me. You're my good shepherd, Jesus. Please 
shepherd me, but not just me. Lord, shepherd my wife and my marriage. Shepherd my children, each of them and all of them. Shepherd my family. Jesus, shepherd my finances. Jesus, shepherd my my physical life. Lord, shepherd me into green pastures. Lord, shepherd me in the mission that is mine on the radio, in social media, on the church, in the world, in the work I'm doing to help families discern a move and helping them make moves. Lord, be the good shepherd in me. And through me, Jesus, I'm your vessel. Who are you, Lord? You are my bridegroom and you are the head. I am a member of your body. Whatever you want of me, Lord, please, just ask. Okay. When you let Jesus speak that question to you, it's not just like a mental exercise. It's not just a an imaginative exercise. It's a real thing. And maybe maybe you want to do it in a church where you can be in a chapel and you can be looking at the exposed blessed sacrament. Or you can be in a church that has a tabernacle, right? A Catholic church with, where you can access the tabernacle and you can just be there by yourself. Even if you can't see the, the host, the Eucharist, you know he's there. You know he's there. And so maybe that conquest concrete presence, maybe it's a, a dedicated image of the enthroned image of the sacred heart of Jesus in, in, in the presence of that holy image. Maybe it's uh, an icon of the Lord that's a favorite of yours. Right? There's so many ways for you to recollect, to, to make that act by which you actually have a sense of I'm here in the presence of the Lord, right? So, um, but let the Lord ask that question. Who do you say that I am? Right? Is Jesus just more to us than a teacher and a prophet, a great founder of the Catholic faith? Notice there's something more personal, more intimate, more profound, more life-giving, more comprehensive that is entailed in Jesus asking that question. And, and then we could just go from there, the beginning of the Gospel of John, uh, where you have the followers of John the Baptist. Uh, follow, uh, excuse me, John the Baptist points at Jesus as, Behold the Lamb of God. So that John... And another apostle start another disciples are following Jesus. He turns around and says to them, What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Great question, Lord. The beginning of this year, it's a great time to reassess. It's a great time to disrupt the same old communications. It's a time to break open through a new word, like my word's expiation. It's breaking open some old patterns, some old way of looking at things. There's something new here. Lord, I want something new in my relationship with you. Do you want something new in your relationship with the Lord? Let him ask questions. Let him put into question the habits and attitudes, the typical ways that you've been living. What are you seeking? It's a great question, Lord. What am I seeking? Well, I didn't win the $1.35 billion lottery on Friday. Now, it would have helped if I bought a ticket. (laughs) So I didn't buy a ticket. So I don't think I was going to win. But I thought about buying a ticket. And then I thought to myself, what am I seeking? Like, why bother? Not just because of the statistics, but like, Really? Am I putting time and energy and effort on that? Or am I seeking to please the Lord? Am I seeking to honor the Lord? Am I seeking to be a gift in every relationship that I have, every communication that I have with people? Am I being respectful and honest? Am I being Salt, light, and leaven for Jesus Christ in every communication. In the people that serve me in the drive-thru window. And the people that I meet 
in that are checking out the money, uh, the cashier at the store, the people that I'm emailing or I'm talking to on the phone that are customer service people. Not just am I being nice and kind, but am I being, am I, am I realizing that any moment am I seeking to please and honor the Lord? I don't want to take away his glory by being a bad witness. I don't want to cause people to stumble because of bad attitudes. Now I want to honor the Lord. Honor the Lord. That's what I want to do. What are you seeking? Yeah, that's a great question, Lord. And I really need to let that put into question. Am I spending more time and energy on how my kids are doing in sports and talking about their games and their performance and things like that um, than I am on going deeper into prayer. And my, Carrie and I, we have a phrase that we use together. Stop wasting your life on like using the phone. What are you seeking? Are you seeking the like the uh, the uh, little release of um, uh, that little release of um, what's the word of dopamine, right? That little dopamine hit that comes from watching that little video short, that little TikTok video. I don't have TikTok, but they show up on YouTube or Facebook, um, and oh, look how amazing people are, or just stupid things, right? It's <laughs> like what a waste. What a waste of time. And what are you seeking? Are you seeking, are you seeking wealth that moths are going to eat rotten steel, right? Are you seeking the esteem of men? Are, are, are you seeking to cause heaven to cheer, right? The saints of heaven are watching. Are they cheering you on? Great question. What are you seeking? Well, today it's on insight. This is what I'm doing. I'm digging into some questions. I'm, I'm saying we need to let the Lord put into question how we're living. And, and by doing that, the Lord, in a dialogue with him, can break open some, some of, well, our lifestyle, some of the habits, some of the obstacles we want to remove. We wanna, we're in pain spiritually. We want to remove those obstacles. And we want the mission. We want, we want to have uh, greater strength to fulfill what God has for us. All right. You just heard a message if you were listening on the radio to the Walk for Life Northwest next Sunday. Let's go. I'm going to be there with my family. We'll be at Mass at the Cathedral and then head out for the, the Walk for Life around the, the, the blocks, go down to the river uh, in Spokane and then uh, march around some city blocks. Um, We've done that a number. Well, we've been here three years. We've done it three years. So, uh, it's it's a beautiful testimony, a witness. It's a witness to faith, right? And in some ways, what what does that do? It disrupts the ordinary flow of things. It breaks into the typical habits, the ways that we look at things. Don't have to settle for that. Just don't have to settle for that. So. Today in the program, I'm saying at the beginning of this year, the Lord is using the word that I've discerned for the year, expiation. It's breaking things open, and I want to invite you into a breaking open process so that the Lord, who has more for us, will bring more into your life. And one way to do that is to enter into a dialogical form of prayer, where we realize that prayer is communication with the Lord that is giving and receiving. It's open to speak and to hear. And one concrete way to do that, especially in this context of saying that the Father who has pleased to give you the kingdom, he's made you like a chalice and there's an emptiness in your life and there's a holy purpose for your life, but that emptiness can make you seek to fill it in other ways. No, the Lord has his life to pour into you, but when he pours it into you, it then will get poured forth from you like in a chalice the precious wine that is then transformed into the blood of Christ doesn't just stay in the chalice, it gets poured out. And so the Lord who wants to pour his life into you because he loves you, 
He loves you. He wants you to know that love, live in that love, but then pour forth that love to others. He wants you to know that joy, but then radiate that joy to others. He wants you to know that peace, but then radiate the peace into the environment around you. He wants you to be salt and light and leaven with the joy and the peace and the life, the life that says, Jesus has conquered death. I know it. I sense the new life of the resurrection. We are called the children of God, and that emptiness that is yours is an emptiness that just points to a fullness to overflowing that you were made for. That's our message, and we want that to be alive, not just words. We want it to be radiant and not just an idea that we've studied and can we, re- we can repeat it. But that means being willing to be broken open in a new way broken open. And so, Lord, put our lives into question. Put our lives into question. What are you seeking? Was the question that I just faced. And Lord, I'm not always seeking you. When you put that, when you put my life into question, Lord, then I see how I fall short. And Lord, reveal it to me again. Reveal it to me again, Lord, so that I can repent and I can let the disruptive power of your word create a new path for me. Uproot the blockage for me to go deeper. That's what I want, Lord. Please, I want that. Oh, but there's more. There's so much more. So, um, Jesus, what did he say to the, uh, the risen Lord Jesus say to Peter after he denied him? Right? So Jesus is risen from the dead, sees Peter, and he says to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he did it three times. Do you love me more than these? And that's a great question. And you've probably heard reflections on it where he changes the word for love. Do you agape me? Do you agape me? Which is self-sacrificing love, self-emptying love. And then he said, uh, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then the last one was, do you phileo me? Which was, do you love me as a friend? Right. So he lowered the bar for Peter. But let's let the Lord put our lives into question. Do you love me? So the Lord's asking me, Jesus is asking me today, he might be asking you today, are you willing to pour your life out for me? Are you willing to pour your life out? That means what? It's to give time. It's to give focus and attention. That means it's, it's giving life energy. It's giving energy. It's giving intentionality. It's giving determination it's, it's mean, it means being willing to deny self and even sacrifice self for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of his gospel, for the sake of the mission that he has for our lives. Do you love me more than these things? More than even your own life, do you love me? It's a great and important question. And it puts into question how we're living. Do we, do we want to live a poured out life? Are we willing to live a poured out life? I, you know, I, I'm hoping that in hearing it, you 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 have stirred within you a yes sort of like the um the father who has the son who was possessed by a demon and the apostles couldn't cast him out the boy was throwing himself into fire and water and and then the father in exasperation in desperation comes to Jesus and says if you can do anything for him please do it and if it's possible Jesus says, anything's possible for the one who believes, for the one who has trust and is willing to entrust. And he says, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. 
I'm hopeful that this is what's emerging in you as, as the Lord speaks to us today through his gospel, speaks to us personally today through his gospel, to put into question our lives. Lord, I love you, but I need to love you more. Lord, I love you, but a part of me doesn't. I say yes, Lord, to loving you, but there's so much no in me. Help me. Help my lack of love. I love you, Lord. Help me where I do not love you. That's, that's a humble, honest prayer, right? And, and that's maybe part of what this whole journey of the dialogue with the Lord is about, is, is the willingness to let the Lord, like when he's breaking stuff open, he's going to expose us to the fact that, you know what? Praise God for the gift that he's given to us that we are doing as well as we're doing. Praise God, right? We are praying. We're trying. We're, we're not just settling for sin. We're, um, we're, we're striving to live our faith and, and to be examples and witnesses. But boy, man, we do fall short. Like this, this uh, Northwest Walk for Life, Walk for Life Northwest that's happening next Sunday. It's just a couple hours. And that's a beautiful witness. And it's a beautiful testimony. It should be, though, a sign of what we're doing the next day and in the next week and the next month and the next year to stand up for life. And standing up for life can be increasingly courageous and can be increasingly a way that we are going to sacrifice maybe reputation, maybe position, maybe friendships, maybe opportunities, maybe advancement at work, there is increasing, increasingly the case that there is something at stake in our loving Jesus enough to stand up for him and his gospel in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our, uh, in our wider society. It said, uh, what was it? Mother Mariana uh, she was a, uh, a sister who, a foundress um, from our Our Lady of um, uh, Our Lady of Good Success, several hundred years ago, had the uh, prophetic word for our time that said that the the devil would, in particular, go after children, the little innocent children, and of course we see that in such a tragic way in every abortion. But look at the innocence of children that is being ravaged, savaged, and destroyed through comprehensive sexuality education and transgender ideology. It's horrific. It's demonic. It's terrible. But where are the courageous voices willing to stand up, push back, and speak out in Jesus' holy name? Do you love me more than your career? Wow. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. So this is a program at the beginning of this new year, kind of halfway through the month of uh, January. But it's still a kind of a newness, right? It's still it's still barely getting lighter. <laughs> it's still pretty dark early, and it gets dark. I mean, it stays dark a long time, and it gets dark early, right? But it's getting lighter, and we want more light in our spiritual lives, right? I, I know you do, and I think you realize how blessed you are to be alive in this moment in history, that we live in a time where we, boy, it's, it's coming right in our face very quickly, the fact that it is increasingly a spiritual battle, even one that requires courage and determination and the willingness to sacrifice if we're simply going to stand up and say, I'm fully Catholic. I'm fully Catholic. And it is, it's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. So we better get that sense of where our true deepest identity is and what our deepest purpose is. We better get that right. If, in fact, we are going to fulfill God's call. He planted you here in this time, not someone else. Right? So that word of expiation, it means that we can all have an impact on souls, souls and, and where they end up eternally, 
every single day, every single day you have that chance to impact people with a salvific disruption of a path of a sinner towards hell. Wow. But today I'm talking about if we want to be even more fruitful in doing that, then we need a greater conviction about the fullness to overflowing of the Father's good pleasure. The Father's good pleasure, what he has for you, is so much more for you. So much more than you've asked for or imagined. And so there's another question. And this is a question that you're going to like. You, you maybe haven't enjoyed the other questions so much, but this one you're going to like. It's one that I, I never get tired of bringing out. It's from Luke chapter 18, 35 to 43. And it is the blind Bartimaeus story where he cries out, right? The blind man Bartimaeus, Jesus passing by. He doesn't want to miss out on Jesus. Son of David, have pity on me. Son of David, have pity on me. Apostles tell him to be quiet. And he keeps crying out the louder. Jesus brings him over. And what does he say to him? You know what he says to him. If you've listened to my program for the years, over the years, what does he say to him? He's, Jesus says to the man, blind man Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus says, of course, I want to see I want to see. And Jesus says, receive your sight. And he receives his sight and follows him up the road as he continues on the journey as a sign of him being a follower, being a disciple. He receives this wholeness, this salvation, this sight because of his faith, because of the proclaimed trust and entrustment of his situation to the Lord because of his confidence and hope in the Lord. Because of his delight in Jesus, he had the courage to say, I want to see. Do you have the courage to cry out to the Lord for what you want to see? Do you have the willingness to allow the Lord to speak that question to you. To speak the question, what do you want me to do for you? That that's who Jesus is. He's someone who wants to do something for you right now, something for you today, something for you that can be very practical, very concrete, very specific, in the details of your life, you might feel like it's not important. God has bigger fish to fry. Really, does he care about my big toe? Does he care about what happens at the, on my test tomorrow? Does he really care about <clears throat> this basketball game? He cares about the details. He loves to be involved, to give you signs that he's your father. Jesus loves to pour forth into that empty chalice-like vessel that you are, his life. He has more life to fill in, to pour in. Now, I'm going to encourage you to go to a chapel again in front of the Blessed Sacrament and maybe read that passage, Luke 18, 35 to 43. Read it. And then start crying out like Bartimaeus, son of David. Oh, that means you who are the Messiah, the bringer of healing, wholeness, and salvation. You bring healing, wholeness, and salvation, Jesus. That's who you are. That's who you are to me. And I'm asking you to have pity, have mercy. Show me favor where I don't deserve it. I'm asking you for favors that I know I don't deserve. That's what I'm doing, Lord. I don't deserve these favors. Please have mercy on me. Not justice, mercy. So with that being the case, then be in that position of listening and be in that position of an expectant faith where the Lord is actually saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? What do you, what do you want to see? And be, be someone who answers in a way that allows the Lord to be extravagant, 
to, to show the extravagance of his love. To, that gives the father a chance to manifest his shocking generosity to you. He wants to manifest his shocking generosity to you. And I just think that's so beautiful. And so I just praise God for that. I just say, Father, just, Lord, you know what is in my heart for my own life, for Carrie and and our life together. You know what is in my heart and you know my heart's cry, Lord, for my kids, for each of them and for all of them. Lord, you know me through and through. And I'm just asking you to shock me with your generosity in every dimension of my life. You know, Lord, what that is. So I'm not sharing the details with you folks, but I'm giving you the, the spirit of what I pray and how I pray it. So today in the program, what have I been doing? I've been sharing with you that it's prayer's a dialogue, and part of a dialogue is involves questions. And it's bringing questions to the Lord, but it's also being willing to be questioned by Jesus himself. What questions would Jesus ask? Well, let's begin with the questions he's asked in the Gospels, and let those questions be questions for you. You might remember there, uh, someone picked up on this idea and put it into a book form. We, we did it as a book club um, a couple years ago now, and I remember it was pretty good. It was, it was, he, he had the right idea. Like, oh, that was, this was very clever. <laughs> it was a very clever book. Um, and in some of the questions, you could see that he had really considered very deeply. Others were more, okay, I've got to be thorough. <laughs> and you can get every question that Jesus asks and put it into a, um, uh, put it into the, into the book, right? All right, one last one. And it's the question that Jesus asks of, St. Paul. Actually, it's while he's Saul, right? You remember? Saul's riding on the road to Damascus, and uh, Jesus says to him what? When he knocks him off the horse and blinds him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Ouch. Ouch. Why are you persecuting me? That's a big one. That's a big one. Why? Well, it's a big one because Saul was a um, a rabbi and someone who, a Pharisee, and someone who was striving for holiness in all that he did and, and thought he was acting in righteousness. He thought he was being uh, a good guy, a God's guy, and come to find out that the Lord reveals that the very things he was doing in his own attempts to be righteous and to advance God's kingdom was actually persecuting the Son of God. That is hard, to have the whole thrust of our lives put into question and to realize that we thought we could see and we're actually blind, and that we have to have our whole lives spun around and reversed, and the very things that we were persecuting to realize, no, wait a minute, we need to, we're going to start promoting, and it cost him his life. So, yeah, there's a lot at stake in being willing to do this, but that's what 2023 can be. It can be a new start, a fresh beginning of letting the Lord put our lives into question by letting him question us. All right, I hope that this was a blessing. God's blessings on your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.